worship. So, and I look forward to having had a chance to say hello already. I look forward to doing that after the service. Um, but we gather here. But God's calling us to come to worship and take a moment to uh, highlight a few announcements, things going on. And so if you uh, look at the inside cover of your order of worship, you'll see uh, information about children's classes and the different ch children's ministry options that are happening this morning. And if you go all the way to the back, you'll see announcements there. And uh, two things to highlight. Uh, one, starting on August 28th, uh, we will have a new worship time and location. So on August 28th, uh, we will start our worship service at 1015, and it will be at Waters Elementary School. And so you'll see the address and information there in your order. But well, that's in two weeks, on the 28th of August. And so we'll, we'll remind you again and make sure you know about that. But if you have questions, please let me know or uh, let one of the pastors know about that. And the other announcement that's important today is that uh, this Sunday is the, the last Sunday for Emily and Eric Olfather to be present with us before uh, Eric uh, leaves to start a new call at Bethel Christian Church uh, here in the city. And so we're uh, thankful for them. And there will be a time uh, in the service to pray for them and also a time after the service uh, some cake and coffee over at McPherson Playground. So hopefully you can stay after and have a chance to enjoy being time together and expressing your appreciation to Eric and Emily. So uh, please make a note of that. Hopefully you can stay after and be part of that. Well, God has called us to, to gather in his presence. And let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves for worship. call to worship is from Psalm 133. Will you stand with us and we'll all sing it together. good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Oh 
please be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who has called us, called us to gather in your presence. And so in the midst of busy lives, full of voices all around us asking for things, we, we remember that you are our creator, the one that has brought us forth. You're also the one, Lord, who calls into our lives that we would know you, that we'd walk with you as our redeemer. So we give you thanks that your call upon our life includes a profound welcome, that you're the one who sees us fully and loves us completely. Lord, you know as we gather, you see the, the wounds and the hurts that we bring, and you remind us that you're the one who binds up the brokenhearted and lifts the fallen. As you call us, you see our rebellion and our sin and you remind us that you are the one whose grace is always greater than our sin. And so, Lord, we come to you full of questions, full of uncertainties, just full of who we are. And we give you thanks that your call includes a welcome, the welcome of Christ, that you meet us where we are and draw us into what is true and beautiful and good. And so, Lord, as we gather here in your name, let us let us remember you, know that you, you are God, and let our hearts be lifted, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this time, children are dismissed for children's worship. They can make their way to the back where uh, Miss Melinda is there to meet them and take them down to the classroom. We're gonna continue our worship through a time of confession and assurance you'll see in your order that we'll do this together. We'll have a corporate prayer and song, and then we'll have a time of personal uh, confession that we can bring our needs to before God. So I invite you to join together in our uh, corporate prayer. Hear the teaching of Christ, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Merciful God, Although Christ has reconciled us to himself and to one another, we don't always welcome and love each other as he has commanded us. Forgive us for our divisions and our anger with one another and bind us together as one family with your great love.
take a moment for private, uh, personal confession to bring our sin and our need before God. Lord, we thank you that you hear us when we pray, and we thank you that you call us to come to your throne of grace, trusting that your grace is greater than our sin. We give you thanks in Christ. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. Uh, having confessed our sins, it's good for us to hear words of assurance. These come from Romans 8. Invite us that we could uh, say these words together. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Well, as Christ has welcomed us, let's turn to one another and welcome each other in the name of Christ.
please be seated. Reading from the scriptures, from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with a rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins." From the Gospel of John, chapter 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may all be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. In them, I in them, and in you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Mark, for reading our scripture. Um, as some of you may hear, I'm actually getting over a head cold, and it has settled in my throat and in my chest, um, but I will do my best, by God's grace and mercy, uh, to 
uh, bring us the word this morning. Uh, I didn't want to miss it, obviously, being my last Sunday. Um, and also just for one more opportunity to just be here with you and to worship together um, as a family. As I was reflecting on uh, what to preach or what to bring before us this Sunday, I partly wanted to think about what I would preach at my new church and my hopes and desires for the sort of community that we would be. And much of it actually stems from what I have learned here from LSPC and from Chad and from Brian. And for many of you, if you're familiar with our service, you often notice and will see that the, the verse that we pull from as we greet one another comes from this passage. It says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, what is a reason to maybe talk about this passage and reflect on Christ's welcome? Well, one, I meant we can welcome Chad back, so that's always good and wonderful. Another one is I just, I hate saying goodbyes, so I would rather just avoid that feeling for a little while and we can think about welcome. But really, maybe what makes goodbye so hard is because the welcomes were meaningful and deep and they impact our lives. And I think that our passage here in Romans, Paul wants to invite us into this welcome as a community. What does it mean to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us? So why don't we go ahead and jump into our passage. You can follow in your bulletin here. Romans 15, one through seven. For we are strong and have, for we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let me pray. Gracious, merciful God, I ask that you would open our eyes and our ears to hear and see your good word. Lord, we ask that we would see Christ this day, that you would reveal him to us. And Lord, I do pray for a special mercy upon my voice as we go through this passage, that you would be with us and that your spirit would draw near us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, for four centuries in the city of Venice, in its great St. Mark's Square, a bell tower stood. It stood there for four centuries, acting as a lookout as ships would come into the harbor, ringing if en enemy troops were approaching. It stood as a symbol in the city of its strength and wealth and power. And this tower, however, fell because, as you can imagine, it was built on the swampy marshes of Venice. It didn't have the foundation that it needed. 
and it just crumbled down. And they knew it was coming, and it just was eventually happened. Well, the technology improved, and they were able to build a stronger foundation, and they did it by actually drilling pillars down into the bedrock of the lagoon. So rather than built, being built on the soft surface, they found a strong foundation using the bedrock of the earth underneath this marsh. This, this tower still stands, and this technology has actually been used in many of the skyscrapers that we see. If, if you've been on the architecture tour in Chicago or have walked the streets, you will or know a little bit about the history, you know that Chicago was built on a marshy land around these rivers and canals. And what they did to build these skyscrapers was the same and similar technology that they used to build the bell tower in Venice. They drilled all the way down to the bedrock to find a firm foundation. Now I open with this image for us because in some ways, Paul has been laying out for the church in Rome what our foundation is. And simply, it is Christ, Jesus Christ, the one who came to redeem us through his justifying work, to redeem us from sin and death, to reconcile us, we who were once enemies, and bring us into the family of God. If you read through Romans, it, it, it's a beautiful liter, uh, argument for God's work and what he has accomplished for his people. And oftentimes we can get about halfway through Romans and in chapter 8, there's this, this climatic that nothing can strip us away from God's love, not even death itself. And yet there's more to this chapter. Paul desires for the church in Rome to live together in community, in the midst of their divisions, in the midst of their strife and their differences. You see this foundation that Paul wants us to lean on, this foundation is Christ, but the church are these pillars. The church and the body are being brought together and knitted and woven together into this lattice of pillars that finds its foundation and strength from Christ. So what is it that these pillars are to do and, and bear witness to the world around us? Well, as we form as a community here in Lincoln Square and Bethel and Portage Park and our sister churches across the city, we are to be a community that knows the depth of God's grace and mercy to us and what we have received so that we might share that with our neighbors. And we do this through welcome. We do this through embrace. So as we reflect on for the remainder of our time what this welcome is that we're called to enter into, I want us to just reflect on three brief things in our service, in our passage here. First, we see from our passage that there's a weakness in our welcome. There's a weakness and a failing in which the way we welcome and embrace others. Second, there is a hope for our welcome, though. And third and finally, there is a glory of Christ's welcome. There's a glory that is revealed as Christ 
draws us into his family. So verse 1 opens with this. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is a little bit of a strange language. What does Paul mean by those who are strong in faith and those who are weak in faith? Is Paul making more categories and, and division within the church when there's already division and differences? I think we need a little bit of context here. Earlier in the passage, earlier in chapter 14, Paul is speaking about these divisions that are emerging in the church. And in particular, these divisions came around food practices and holy days observance. And there were different beliefs about whether one could eat meat or refrain from it. And in particular, these were connected to the cult practices in the temple or whether one could celebrate certain holy days or certain festivals, or whether one was supposed to refrain from it. Rome is a massive metropolitan city with people from different cultures and languages and traditions, not really much different from our context here in Chicago. People from all around the world, people from across our country, and yet we all find ourselves here in our neighborhoods and in this city. Paul's concern is not to just point out the, the weakness of one's faith. Paul's intention is not to highlight their shortcomings, to highlight their sensitivities. Paul's, Paul's purpose is, is not to shame or to guilt. Rather, the whole thrust of Paul's argument in chapter 14 and here in our passage is that those who are strong in faith, those who are able to find their grounding in Christ, they are to bear with those in need. They are to draw near to those who need help. Paul time and time again reminds the strong not to pass judgment on their weaker brother or to cause their sister to stumble. The purpose is not to highlight the weaknesses of others, but to highlight how we are to draw near to one another with our resources, with our time, with our energy. What might these weaknesses look like in our own context? Some of us come here feeling pretty confident about our connection to God and our relationship with Him, but others come lacking that sense of peace maybe lacking that sense of assurance. And there's a way in which when we talk with one another, talk about our faith, bear with each other's burdens, maybe there's a way in which we can discount the weaknesses of others. We minimize them, we ignore them, or we just try to fix them. We do this with people's insecurities with folks' doubt about God and His goodness. When we, have, when we lack a clear sense of direction in our life, or for some of us who have lost dreams, when we encounter the weakness of others, we are not prone to enter into it, but rather we are prone to run away. We see people as just a long laundry list of problems and issues and weaknesses rather than seeing them as eternal souls in need of grace. Maybe one way to illustrate this in my own life 
In a previous place of employment, I, I had a fellow colleague, one that we worked closely together with a team, and the colleague made the work challenging. His own challenges and struggles came into the workplace and it made it hard on the team. And the team had to bear much of the burden and the weight of the work. And in that moment, my heart grew hard and callous and cold to my fellow colleague. But as I reflected more and more on what this hardness and coldness came from, it was not the ways in which he was hurting me or making my life harder. The reason why I was keeping my colleague at a distance was because my colleague's failings, my colleague's weaknesses, it was like looking in a mirror at my weaknesses and my shortcomings, and I didn't like what I saw about myself. Our lack of welcome and acceptance of others does not just stem from our pride or our selfish life choices. Sometimes we just don't have the space in our lives to welcome others. But we're called to bear with the failings of those around us because it's actually in those places that we come to remind ourselves more and more of the gospel and our need of it in our own weaknesses and in our own places in our hearts that are dark and in need of God's grace. But this work is not just for the strong, the strong, this work of embracing our neighbor, of building them up in love is for everyone. In verse two, Paul says, let each of us please our neighbor for his good to build him up. Paul moves away from this category of strong and weak and he puts us all in the same boat. We are in this together. He speaks that each of us is called to seek the welfare and the good of our neighbor, of our fellow brother and sister in Christ. And again, Paul uses this word that we're being built up. We're being built up together. Paul's concern is that the church and its members will seek to build their own kingdoms, their own protection, will seek their own welfare over and against those who are truly in need. Maybe one way to reflect on this pastorally within our own lives is to consider, do we even have space in our life to welcome others into it? And if not, why? Maybe there are good reasons to keep people at a distance because we have been hurt and harmed. Or maybe we're just busying ourselves, going from thing to thing, just bouncing around and staying at the surface level without really drawing near to someone. Paul invites us to bear the burdens of others. So we fail at this, and we will continue to fail at this, but is there hope for our welcome? Well, in verse three, we're told, Paul quotes from Psalm 69, it says this, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Another way to say that is the insults of those who insulted you fell on me. Psalm 69 is often referring to uh, messianic psalms, to, 
to the, to the Messiah, the one who would come to free God's people from sin and bondage and oppression. And what we see in Christ is that the Messiah's work was one of suffering, one of taking insults, one of bearing our burdens. We're told the reason that we are not to please ourselves and to look to build up our neighbor is because this is exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus walked into the uncomfortable places in our own lives to bring us comfort. Another way of understanding this is to see that Jesus did not do his own interest or his own needs. He did not seek those, but rather he sought to follow the will of God his Father, to find his joy and peace there. And in doing so, he entered in to the pain of this world. Our tendency is to use our strength and our power to avoid pain and suffering and weakness, to overcome it, but Christ embraces our weakness so that we might embrace his strength and receive his goodness. The irony is that Christ came into the world to welcome us into God's family. And yet we read in John chapter 1 that the world rejected Christ. The, the welcome that Christ received was one of rejection and mockery and insult and even death itself. What we see here is that this welcome that God has given to us is one that has a hope. This hope of the world was not communicated just through a PowerPoint presentation with just information and good theology. This welcome of God came in flesh and blood. Thus, our welcome and our embrace with others must be the same. It must be embodied. It must be in communion with each other. But how do we find the strength to do this? Where do we go? In verse 4, Paul, reflecting on this quote from Psalm 69, says this, For whatever was written in the former days was written for instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture we might have hope. Paul takes a moment to remind us that the, all of the Scriptures point us to this hope point us to God's work to welcome us back into his family. We see this welcome throughout all of scripture. In creation, God welcomed his creatures, those who made in his image, to draw near to his work, to join his creation, to be creative. He welcomed them in. God called a nation to be a light to the nations of the world to be a blessing. He welcomed them into his work of redemption. God, Christ welcomed 12 misfits and an outcast to enter into his life and work, to walk with him for three plus years, to live life with him. And Christ even welcomed death itself so that by his death, we might be welcomed and embraced with life. I often remind the youth group over the years that I've been here and teaching them that actually God has to show us what it means to be human again. God did not 
takes on our humanity in Christ Jesus to show us what does it actually look like to welcome our brother and sister, to embrace them, to endure with patience and love with them. So we see that our welcome is, is frail and weak, but yet in Christ we see one who has entered into this world to extend the welcome of God and God's grace to us. So as we conclude, as we draw near to the end here, we see that this welcome that Christ extends to us is for God's glory, and the welcome that we extend to each other is for God's glory too. In verse 7, we've, we've heard it read multiple times already. It says this, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The basis of our welcome and embrace for each other is not just because it's the right thing to do or that's the way that we would invite people into the church and grow our numbers or that's just how people are going to think highly or kind of me. No, our welcome and embrace of others is done out of the welcome and embrace that Christ has extended to us. And in some ways, this is simple and straightforward as it might sound, but it also takes a lifetime to embrace and to live out within our families and our friendships and our communities. So what does it mean that Christ has welcomed you? Let that sit with you for a second. What does it mean that Christ has embraced you? I think there's a lot of ways in which he has done this in each of our lives. But for our purposes here and from our passage, I think that there are two that we can look to. First, we are welcomed by Christ because he brings us into the love of God. As we are embraced by Christ, we begin to know the depth of God's love for us. In John 17, Jesus prays to God his Father. It's kind of a strange phenomenon that Jesus would pray, but again, Jesus is reminding us what does it mean to be human? And Jesus acknowledges before his Father and before the disciples that he has brought them into eternal life, that they might know God's love so that they might believe and know and experience that God's love is not just for his son, but for those who claim his son to be their Lord and Savior. But secondly, this welcome of Christ brings us into the community of our brothers and sisters, a community of filled with people who need to know God's warmth and love just as much as you and me. This community is this pillar, this lattice of structures that as we find our holding upon Christ, as we embrace his welcome, we build each other up and welcome one another. This is hard work, this is not easy, and yet this is what we're called into. As we share the good news of Christ, we are not just sharing a message, we're inviting people into a story and into a community, one filled with God's warmth and love. So to end, as a last word here to LSPC, I do not share these words with you because you haven't welcomed. If anything, you have been welcoming 
you've welcomed me into your community and into our life here together. I have known and experienced your love. So I ask you and I invite you to continue that good work, to continue to embrace the welcome that Christ has extended to you and extend that to others. Extend that to those within this room and within our congregation who maybe you don't know that well, or maybe you have felt a sense of distance. Re-engage in that welcome. For those who come as you go back to waters, I invite you to be reminded of how Christ has welcomed you so that you can welcome others who are in need to know about God's love and grace and mercy to us all. Let me pray. Gracious, merciful God, Lord, we thank you that in Christ you have embraced us, that you call us sons and daughters. And now, gracious God, we ask that you would meet us here by your spirit and remind us that we are truly welcomed in your presence and with one another. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together.
our God, Christ humbled himself even to death on a cross, yet you raised him up to rule over all creation, giving him the name which is above all other names. It is good and right for us to join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And as Pastor Eric invited us to see in our passage, that we are welcomed in Christ, that God is a God of encouragement and endurance, and that we receive that encouragement through the word, but we also receive it through this table, the sacrament that Christ gives to us. For if there is a picture of welcome, it is here. The invitation for sinners to come and sit as part of the family of God at the family meal of God. This table makes clear in the, in the broken bread and the, the cup that Christ did not keep his strength for himself or did not distance himself from our reproaches or our insults. But rather here at the table we are invited to see the good news that the strong one became weak to make the weak strong. The rich one became poor to make the poor rich. And the one that was whole was broken to make us who were broke, broken whole. That's the good news of this table. It is the welcome of Christ and it can never be exhausted. So if you know of your need before God and have placed your hope in Christ, then this table is set for you. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, then let this table be a witness to you, an invitation that Christ pursues you and welcomes you in his grace to come and be part of his family, not because of what you promised to do or have done, but by his grace from beginning to end. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table, and we thank you for the bread and the cup that you set apart, and that you would meet us by your spirit. Lord, we give you thanks for the welcome of Christ. A table not set for the, the perfect, not set for those who keep all the laws or perfectly strong, but a table set for sinners who need to be lifted and forgiven. We thank you for this good news and we pray that we would receive it and be strengthened by your spirit that we'd go forth as men and women offering this welcome to one another and to our neighbors. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes again. I invite you to, to come forward and just the, those who are serving can come forward at this time. You'll see a note in your order of worship about how we do communion. There's um, both juice and wine available, but we'll be invited to come down the two aisles. You can receive the elements and then go back on the sides. I ask if you're able to hold them that you can hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink together as one family. If you're not taking communion this, this morning, I still invite you to come forward. Just put your arm across your chest and uh, Pastor Brian or myself can offer a blessing for you here at the front.
Christ was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. In Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand if you're able, that we can sing and pray together to God. Lord, you proclaim from the throne, behold, I am making all things new. These words are trustworthy and true. Let us rejoice in this hope as we proclaim the mystery of faith. seated. Sorry. We're going to take uh, a moment together to, to express our appreciation to Eric and Emily. Why you, Eric and Emily, why don't you come forward that we can pray for you. And uh, as, as Eric shared, this, will be, this is their last Sunday, and so I want to remind you that there is cake after church and a chance to say <laughs> goodbye to Eric and Emily at McPherson uh, Playground. Um, before we pray uh, for them, a prayer of thanks, and also for blessings on their next path, um, I would like to express appreciation. I mean, it's been a wonderful gift to have Eric and Emily here as part of our community the last couple of years, so. Yeah, Eric and Emily, I'm very thankful for the two of you, and. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for um, your good gifts, Lord. You're the giver of all good things. And we acknowledge that often uh, the best of your gifts are the people that you bring into our lives. And so we, we give you thanks for Eric and for Emily. And we thank you how they have been a gift to us as a church and a gift uh, to us individually as we've gotten to know them and been blessed by them. I thank you for the generosity that they have given in sharing their lives and resources and times, opening their lives and home uh, to the church and to neighbors. And we just, we give you thanks. We also just pray, Lord, a prayer of blessing on them as they go forth into a new call at Bethel Church. I pray that it would bring them great joy, that there would be a sense of um, just wonder at new possibilities and new things happening. And I pray, Lord, through all this, that you would strengthen Eric and Emily, not because they are gifted or not because you've you know, given them many strengths and resources you have, but we pray that their, their hope and their foundation, their encouragement would be in you, Christ, that you see them and that you love them, that you're faithful to them. Let them rest in the gospel and let them share that with all those they connect with in the future. We pray blessings on them and their church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. So again. <laughs>
stay after to uh, have coffee and cake after the service. Um, but you'll see in the order there's a note about uh, offering. So we're going to continue worshiping through uh, a time of offering. So I encourage and invite the uh, greeters to come forward to pass the offering plate. You can see, you'll see in here, you can give through the offering plate or you can do that online through the church website. Um, also, just a couple notes to encourage you to take a look at the order of worship again at the announcements. There's some things coming up that you might want to be involved in. There are um, theology on tap that's starting again. You can take a look at. There's also uh, a survey about adult education, some classes that will be starting in the fall. So I encourage you to take a look at this. Uh, also, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here and you've joined us. Uh, there's a way that you can fill out your information through the order of worship. You'll see a QR code. There's also a welcome pad at the table as you came in. Um, you know, please leave your information. We'd lo love to follow up with you and tell you more about the church. I've mentioned the coffee and cake a number of times, but just a reminder that that is after church today. It's not just coffee today. There's cake. <laughs> I invite you to stand now that we can uh, respond to God's generosity with the doxology.
as we leave this place, now receive this blessing from our Lord God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in the hope of Christ. Go in the peace of Christ. Amen.